What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing tonight? This is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review, uh, sitting here with Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald. After Creighton's 70-61 win over Loyola Chicago to open up NIT play, uh, Jays advanced to the second round where they will host Memphis either Friday or Monday, right? I think Those that's the two, what the plan is, the yeah. two days? Not Thursday and not Saturday, right? Not Thursday because of tip times, not Saturday because of Justin Timberlake, so Friday or Monday. Um, that's who they get in the second round, but tonight they beat Loyola, the team that finished went to the Final Four last year. Uh, in a game, I don't think Creighton, did Creighton trail? Yeah, three to nothing. Oh, that's right, because the three in the corner, yep, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's the only time they trailed. Thank you. Um, that's the only time they trailed all night. And as Robbie Anderson hands us Memphis' season stats with new research on Memphis now, so we'll try to preview them as much as we can. I honestly have not seen one Memphis game this year of you. No. Actually, I, I lied. I watched them play somebody in the non-conference. Tennessee? Not Tennessee. Oh. Um, I saw highlights of that Yeah. Game. Let me see. I don't know. What's their schedule look like? Uh, I'll see if I can remember it. But yeah, what, what, what are your initial... <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. LSU? It wasn't. It was a team I like. Did not South Dakota State think very highly of. Right. It wasn't South Dakota State. Yeah, I don't know. They lost though. I remember that. Um, yeah. What were your initial impressions from tonight, though? How, yeah. How things shook out. Let's look back before we look ahead. Correct. Unless you just want to look straight ahead. I don't know. No, no. I thought. I don't know. I was kind of. I was curious to see how Creighton would come out. I think that just two days removed from falling short of your goal and having to deal with that mentally can Was be... that your only question, basically? Like, that was mine. Yeah. I didn't feel like Creighton was going to lose if they were locked in. Yeah, I think so. I okay. agree with that. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. But it was a, such a tough question to answer because even if the coaches express, hey, we can get better, we can use this NIT experience to springboard us into next year, look at the ways that other players have improved just with two or three games and mm-hmm. how much how beneficial it's been for them uh, previously. You know, 2016, Kyrie Thomas obviously comes to mind. There are things that you can gain even though you're not playing in the big tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, having more practices and having in-game scenarios, getting reps together, like this, this can be a building block. You can say that and the players can agree with you and be like, yeah, yeah, we understand. But do they really? And can they, have they, turned the page and gotten past, you know, the disappointment of not making the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And you oh, know, I don't I don't think you can really tell that until until tip off. Tip. I did I did I did go out extra early tonight and just sit out there I think I was out there around six or so. And I just wanted to watch like just observe their mannerisms and how they interacted. Because normally they look normally before Creighton warms up they're usually pretty loose. They joke around a lot. Um Caleb sings a lot. Uh, yeah. They talk trash to each other a lot. So I wanted to see if all of that stuff was still there or if they just didn't have any pop whatsoever and they were just going through the motions. And honestly, their warm-up looked like every other warm-up. They looked, they looked locked in when they needed to be locked in. Uh, they got their work done, but they also joked around with each other. Uh, Caleb was singing the entire time. Um, so they looked loose. They looked like they were you know, in normal game mode. So it, those those questions kind of answered themselves for me before the before tip off, and then 
I thought they played with, I thought both teams played with a lot of intensity throughout the game. I think both teams approached it the right way because it showed in the way the game was played. I thought, like, both teams were, felt like their seasons were on the line and played accordingly. Because um, I think as much as Loyola, you know, there were some slot moments for both teams, some turnovers, some mistakes defensively, certainly, because of the short prep. Uh, I still, I didn't feel like either team was, you know, not giving their best effort on the court. So, right. and I mean, and the coaching staff, Horton Moser was really animated. So I think he was on his game and, and Mac obviously. Uh, so those, the, that, those doubts, I guess, were, were put to rest early. Cause I kind of felt like once the game settled in, it was just a normal high intensity yeah. Do or die tournament game. And I don't Even know though what, it's not the tournament right. either one of them. I don't know what this this means. Maybe we're giving them too much credit for being ready to play, mm-hmm. but it does feel like in the NIT, <coughs> a two seed loses to a seven or a one, one seed loses to an eight yeah. every now and then. Although I'm looking at the scores from tonight, and there weren't any of those types of upsets. You know, Indiana, Clemson, Texas. I will say UNCG, all those games. All those games were close in the second half, though, because I was watching those, and I they were like, close yeah. at halftime. Yeah, but, but that yeah. goes along to what you're what you're saying is like common. A common theme is normally those teams that are that just missed the tournament usually show up kind of flat on that first NIT yeah. day. That's a tough day for them, and usually, if they don't get it, if they don't have it, then uh, you know an early exit from this tournament is not uncommon. Right. Yeah. So I totally agree. But we didn't see any like big time. Arkansas beat Providence. That's they beat I, they didn't beat them pretty bad. Mm. It was like eighteen point game last time I checked. Yeah, they won by twelve. So yeah, yeah they, they hand they hand it to them. And Arkansas was missing right. a big guy too, right? Yeah, because he yeah. he decided he wasn't going to play. Mm-hmm. And Indiana didn't have Langford either. Right. So some guys are sitting out of this thing. So <laughs> yeah, Craig doesn't have anybody, anybody sitting out yet. So they're they're at full strength. Um, <laughs> no one's pulling that that card yet. Uh, Martin Crample was a tone setter from the start, right? Yeah, I, mean, I thought so. Uh, he made Crutwig work, but he also <laughs> he also made a statement from the extended three point line by going what three for his first four, right? Yeah. Uh, he ended up four of six at seventeen points. It was just funny. I don't. Did you notice him at practice on Monday? How like I just swear he was like smiling. How the much whole confidence time. he had with the FIBA? <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, with the FIBA international line. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it was. I remember watching it before practice, and he was just kind of like grinning from ear to ear as he's taking shots, standing at the line. and, and the wasn't, most, he, wasn't he, like, talking to Marcus Zagorowski a little yeah. bit about, like, hey, this is how you do it, by the way? Yeah. Like, like they were watch me. Range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, watch it me. Was, <laughs> it was funny because, you know, for, for a guy that at some points this year we've actually had comments that people say he shouldn't be shooting threes anymore. And it was funny watching them prepare, as you mentioned, because – he was like, "Here's my line, guys. Like, yeah. step out a little further and see how it goes." Like, right. and he was totally confident. And it's funny because it played that way. He was the best three point shooter tonight. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Vince was one for two, and he had like several threes that, or th- several twos that would have been threes normally. But he's just inside that white line, so he didn't have it figured out. I think only Alex he only Tyshon had was one. To be eight. fair, Davion had. But they looked one. at another one though. They had yeah, they did look at one. one. They had yeah. upheld, upholding, but yeah. it was it was dicey. You know, Tyshawn was two for eight. Uh, Mitch was zero for four. Marcus was two for five. So Martin was the sharpshooter yep. with the FIBA rules. Right. So he was back in his in his element. Um, but he was huge, right? I mean, well, I and it, I think the, from the jump, I thought Loyola really made a commitment to get out and run Tyshawn and Mitch off the three point line, and so 
they were and they were glued to those guys and I thought Martin's ability to knock down shots and almost make Loyola pay for the attention that it was giving those other guys. I mean, it was it extended its defense on the perimeter and um, <clears throat> obviously wanted to keep certain guys from getting open looks, but you can't cover everyone because mm-hmm. Green can space the floor like it does with four and now five shooters with uh, Martin <laughs> hitting five, the shots. Yeah. Um, I just thought they had put Loyola in a bind, and they had to adjust, and then that helped continue to open things up and mm-hmm. keep the lane open in the floor space. So, yeah, that was that was big. And then his fourth three that he hit in the second half was an important shot, too. Was. There was that – I mean, the whole second half felt like kind of ping-ponging back and forth. Creighton was probably never really uncomfortable because it had, it led by 8 to 10 to – Always two possessions yeah. at least, yeah. For most of the half <coughs> until, yeah, really the whole half. Mm-hmm. Um, but Loyola started, it looked like it started to make a push, a surge at the end of, toward the end of the game. Martin's three, I think, put the Jays up 11 with six minutes left. Yep. And then uh, I think they went three possessions without points, and then Tyshawn hit a three. Put him up 10. Put him yeah. up 10, and then Mintz hit a two. <clears throat> And so certainly the Jays would have liked to finish cleaner. I think they turned the ball, ball over three times in a row. Had trouble getting an inbound and, again. Right. And I'm so mad because I wanted to ask Mac about that in the postgame and I totally forgot because, um, yeah, we can talk about that in a second. But, yeah, go ahead. It just it looked, that, that was an issue tonight. They, yeah. they had to call two timeouts to stop five-second calls, and they had another five-second call that they didn't get a timeout for. So kind of three five-second calls there. Right. Um, well, we should just talk about that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a because people are wondering, you know, is that a coaching issue? Is it a player issue? Like, is it a is it a guy's not getting the open issue? Is it a passer not making a play issue? Like, so there, there, you know, people are trying to peg down what it's what's going on because we we see the in our mentions. So, I honestly think there were most of the problem tonight was just not making the first read because I thought guys would get open on the first cut, and it's just like. You know, you hesitate, and then all of a sudden everything's covered. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought from my observation of those situations tonight was there was usually a guy open quickly on first moves, on first cuts, and it just a little hesitation closed everything up, and then you had to call a timeout or it was a turnover. So that's what I noticed. So I think tonight was more on the inbounder than the cutter or the coach, but I don't know if that's Honestly, man, it, this is something that – I was thinking about and you know inbound the ball is so fundamental to basketball that maybe it's it, we shouldn't be having this conversation maybe it's just something they shouldn't have already ingrained in their minds but mm-hmm. there it just seems like this team had never really got an opportunity to sort of work through its um get to learn lessons in a low-pressure situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, the the mistakes that it made today, late in the game, not being able to close it out cleanly, weren't costly. Mm-hmm. Because they had a 10-point lead and they were better than the team that they were playing. It was close enough to where they were in position to make, have to make some plays to win, but, and, you know, they obviously made some mistakes, but they could still get a win in Big East play they're playing teams that are at their level talent wise mm-hmm. maybe better 
and they make those mistakes, and they it they lose. You mean they pay for it? Yeah, yeah. And I felt like the the way the non conference worked out, it's just that it didn't feel like the Jays had. Many, it was a tough schedule, but it wasn't a high leverage situation, right? Not many high le- high leverage yeah. situations. I hear like you. Ohio State, ETSU were the only two close games in non conference play, and those right. happened in November. It was like Creighton molded itself into a different team as uh, non conference play wore on, and I just. I wonder, maybe that's, maybe that's just, maybe that'll turn out to be the benefit of the NIT if the Jays can continue and make and win a couple games and maybe be forced to close games out mm-hmm. against teams that, well, for one, in a in a situation where yeah, it matters, it's the NIT, but it doesn't feel as maybe do or die as the Big East tournament or, or the NCAA tournament or something. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how the players are approaching it, honestly. But um, Did Marcus get the five-second call? Or was the five-second? I, I think. Because I thought, uh, I'm trying to think, on his inbounds plays, I'm pretty sure they scored on one. It was either Tyshawn or Davion, I thought. Okay. I but think you're right. Anyway, I, I just, so I wonder, you know, I wonder if, if, they can if if playing teams that you know are maybe just a cut below what they had routinely seen in the Big East. Mm-hmm. Although Memphis, I guess you could make the argument that Memphis is from an athleticism standpoint. Yeah, so. probably a Big East like team. Um, <coughs> but perhaps this is the Jays' opportunity to actually work through some growing pains because even mm-hmm. though they learned a lot of lessons in the non-conference season. They didn't learn a lot of those lessons with the game on the line. And then suddenly they went to Big East play and had to try to close out wins, and it became very difficult. Mm-hmm. They had to deal with a different level of pressure and a higher sense of urgency, and they didn't handle it well at times. And their opponents seemed very comfortable in those situations. And I, I wonder if the Jays just need more time to get comfortable in those situations. Like, yeah, their opponents definitely have more, are very comfortable at making Creighton uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But you just think about, like, watching Creighton rep inbounding the ball in practice. It just, it, there's nobody watching. Yeah, it's not. You know, like, it doesn't have the same feel as what we saw tonight, where mm-hmm. you can feel the angst from the crowd. Like, there, I heard boos after one of the, uh, Tyshawn, I think, called timeout trying to inbound the ball with, like, 59 seconds left, and they kind of get it in and call timeout. And I heard boos. Like, you don't – you can't feel that in mm-hmm. practice. Uh, you don't have – you can't feel a team that has the um, – well, first off, Loyola's pretty good at forcing turnovers, and uh, it's it, – They're very handsy. They're very yeah, active. Right. Yeah. And uh, they've got the urgency of two senior guards who don't want their season to end, like – you and you know what else helped their situation tonight? Sorry, we, I'm, like, interrupting you a lot, but, like, the fouls resetting. It kind of did. That allowed them to create more pressure situations yeah. because they knew they had fouls to give when the game was getting tighter in the last minute, and they were just really being aggressive in terms of going after the dribble, uh, you know, going after guys and trying to strip the ball away. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just thought they were, they're a really smart team because they know when they can ratchet it up because – they're not putting anybody at the free throw line, and they can play a little bit more aggressively. Yeah. So that was just something I, yeah, just, it is interesting because it's something that 
I think it's not a problem until you, till it be, until it is a problem. You know what I mean? Because it's not it's something you kind of take for granted. Inbounding the ball. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, five guys find one, right? Uh, or four guys find one. So, I, I honestly, it, I think that they need more. They need more. They they need more situations like, uh, like tonight, mm-hmm. where there's at least some pressure, but it's not. It's not Big East pressure. Yeah. It's not. Well, uh, they're certainly going to be well versed in pressure situations by next year. That's for sure. Yeah, because they've been in a lot of them so far. Right. Uh, but yeah, like tonight, they, I thought. They, but overall, even though they did make some mistakes, some of the old, some of the mistakes they've made all season, they did end up closing this game. Right. Well, and, and not guess, even where it became a one position yeah. game. By the way, though, I will say some inbounds passes where, you know, even one led to a run out, and the other one, Martin got fouled, but he still had Tyshawn and Mitch just pick one and it's a bucket, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. they did execute some things pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but they also made some mistakes. So and it's I, kind I, of like a... Right. And there's a f- some there's frustration some from fans, though, too, who are like, look, I, who may say, hey, I get they didn't have a lot of close games in non-conference, but they had a ton of close games in conference. And mm-hmm. even though you're playing t- higher competition and your mistakes are exploited more frequently by these types of conference teams, like, you should have learned... Like why haven't you learned faster? Le- yeah, <laughs> learned the lesson yeah. yet. Like yeah. why is it taking so long? Mm-hmm. Only lose and one game because of it, not five. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and uh-huh. still, even after losing those five games, you're still having issues. So, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, maybe a cynic might say, well, if they can't fix it during the season, why would they fix it even ne- by by next year? What mm-hmm. this is should be enough time for them to fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do think more reps always helps, and. I, I do feel like this team just hasn't had a lot of situations where um, some of its decision makers have been in pressure pressure spots um, like that. Yep. That's fair. Um, Mitch Ballack had a weird line tonight. Ten points, five rebounds. But he didn't go to the free throw line and he didn't hit a three. <laughs> so... And Tyshawn had seven assists. Tyshawn did that, yeah. So for was, yeah. So, I mean, they uh, they made plays they don't normally make. I guess Tyshawn's, what, around three and a half assists a game usually, right? Mm-hmm. So, That's right. But between them, they shot 12 or two or 12 from three. Mm-hmm. And normally, if you, you think if Mitch Ballack and Tyshawn Alexander go two or 12 from three, uh-oh. Right. But they found different ways. Like, mm-hmm. Mitch attacked at the rim and got... He had all ten points in the second half, too. And they all felt like... Um, I mean, the, the first two definitely felt swung the momentum, gave them a cushion. Yeah. Um, it helped Loyola them build that lead push. up yeah. to 10, I think. Yeah. And then Alexander made plays and found he, he, was, that, he made a couple passes in transition, didn't he? Finding Christian, uh, who got behind the defense. Was there were there more driving lanes tonight because of the way the lane was set up? And with the lane being extended, plus everybody spacing the floor in general, I it felt I, like there were more driving yeah, lanes. Yeah, but I felt that was more Loyola, Loyola okay, I thought. Okay. I, I don't know. I thought it was more Loyola just really trying to keep guys from shooting threes. Mm-hmm. Or at least trying to contest out there. And the way they were... Because um, Loyola really couldn't defend the paint if there wasn't a guy posting up. Right. I mean, they, well, they just couldn't. Yeah. There's the, the floor was spaced too much. There were shooters all over the place. That's Matt kind of, you know, all the starters played 30-plus minutes. Mintz at 39, Tyshawn 37, Marcus 35. 
Martin 30 and Mitch 34. So all the starters, that those those five really spaced the floor well. And I, I just thought there were openings all over the place to get to the rim for, yeah. for drivers, not even just... So I'm trying to think how many times Martin and Christian got traditional post-ups. You know what I mean? I don't think it was very often. No, it didn't seem like it. Are you eyeing something? I was just kind of trying to see what how many, what they shot from two point range. Oh, it felt like um, so they were eighteen of thirty. Eighteen of thirty. Yeah, and they were that's, that's twelve okay. for nine, twelve great, for twelve for nineteen on okay. layups. So, which is I think better than they usually shoot in Big East play, but um, yeah, I thought yeah. What were points in the paint? Forty, thirty two for Creighton, forty for Loyola. I do think that Creighton never really did solve. Loyola's ball screen. No. Offense. No. I mean, they, they essentially just said, all right, look. They're either going to force a turnover or you're going to get a bucket. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> right. They're like, I think Graham was just like, look, we just don't want uh, Towns or Custer going downhill against us because yeah. that creates Which, a lot of problems. Which, if you're going to give credit to a, the defensive part of it, Towns and Custer, from a scoring perspective, were limited. Yeah. They, they made had 12 plays for others. Yeah. yeah they, they had 12, 12 assists, assists on only five turnovers, but... They made plays for other people, but but I think that that was the idea. Is yeah. like, well, let's just have the other guys have to make plays. Because let me the see bigs, who's the four and the five, and they they did, but they didn't like, you know, they they got forty points in the paint, which I think only four teams have, have gotten more points in the paint against Creighton this mm-hmm. year, but they ended up with fourteen turnovers and and just sixty one points. So I think we kind of feel pretty good about that. So I don't know how to say this guy's name, but number 30, Ayer Aguak. Aguak. So he was sure. he was 9 for... <laughs> thanks for the help. Yep. Uh, he was 9 for 11 from the field. He had 18 points. That's his, his season high is 19, and he was 8 for 8 against Indiana State. So I imagine he was a benefactor of the attention that Custer and Towns were right. generating um, or attracting, and then... Because they're such a good passing team, especially with Towns, they, they Custer, and Crutwig, really, really pass it yeah. really well. So if those are your three main usage guys, they're really good decision makers too. Yeah. Um, and uh, Towns, when when Creighton for a little bit of a stretch in the second and at the end of the first half, it started, it stopped hard hedging ball screens and it just kind of played where the big would show for a little bit and mm-hmm. try to hold his ground to before to allow the guard to get back. When mm-hmm. they did that, Marcus Towns had a field day. Like, yeah. He was really good coming, going downhill off ball screens and making plays either for himself or for others. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creighton I got away think, from that. I do think he should have had six turnovers tonight because I'm pretty sure he traveled three times. So <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, he was a little shifty, that's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, man. Like I think about how many when, – when Loyola scored, it felt – I was like, man, they, they're getting easy, easy buckets. They're yeah. getting, they're getting, yeah. But they ended up with 61 points on 69 possessions. Yep. I mean, like, that's... that's Good defense. Yeah. That's winning defense. Right, so uh, the Jays... You know, it reminds me of a comment Mac made on uh, on Sunday when they were practicing before the uh, selection show. First of all, that's one of the chippier practices we've seen all year. So, like, it, just, like, guys were getting after each other, Mac was getting after guys. Like, you could tell they were frustrated from the way that ended. But he said... Their defense against Xavier was one of their two or three worst performances defensively in terms of just all the things they do fundamentally. Yeah. And they still held Xavier to 61 points. And he's like, 
we shouldn't have, they shouldn't have scored on us at all. Like, right. Considering how bad we were and all the fundamental things we do, and yet they still couldn't score easily, you know? So that's why tonight is funny because everything Loyola looked like, every time they converted, it looked like, it was like wow, that didn't take much at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, that was yeah. really easy. Yeah, like, yeah, but yet they had, But they didn't, yeah, they couldn't right. do it every time. Mm-hmm. So. It's almost like there's a little bit of a risk-reward type of defense being played by Creighton just with, like, the activity level. Um, I think they're. I think they're just banking on the fact that they, that a team can't do, for the most part, and maybe that was the case tonight. Is like, look, we're gonna put the ball. We're gonna get the ball out of the primary ball handler's hands, and force other guys to make decisions. And if we do that enough, those other guys aren't gonna burn us every time. Like mm-hmm. they may get a couple, and they may hit us a, a, a few times, but. They have to do that repeatedly, every possession after possession after possession, yep. and we don't think they can do that. And yeah. so, they're right. It's like a calculated gamble, calculated yeah. risk. Uh, should we get to questions? Yeah. So, I accidentally started a fire tonight, on, and I want to emphasize accidentally, because when Martin hit like his first two or three threes, I was like, if, and that was the first word of the tweet, was if, you know what I mean? That's a qualifier, right? If this is Martin Krempel's last game, he's going out with a bang, is what I said. Mm, there you I, go. I know. I know. And, I, wow. I, and it was just like a firestorm. That's all All the tweets I got in the first half were all just like, why would you say such a thing? And I'm like, well, because it is a possibility. So, like, that's like 80% of our questions are about how dare you, basically. Um, <laughs> so, let's see if yeah. we can find the best how, one how, to how ask. Dare, how dare you? You just want to ask how dare, how dare? How, I mean, basically, that's the question everybody's... The first ten questions are basically, is Martine leaving? So, let's just talk about that, then. Uh, There is a possibility, and again, I want to use that word carefully, right? Possibility, because it is possible that he does go, you know, play basketball for money instead of for free. So, you know, it's just one... I asked him a couple weeks ago, asked him before they played Marquette on the road. um, Just, like, what's... If that's in his mind at all right now. And what he's where he's leaning, and he said, you know, he said basically everything you would expect him to say. He's gonna sit down with Mac after the season. They're gonna kind of evaluate the options, and you know he'll make the decision from there. And that was that was a couple weeks ago, so it was just not worth breaking up anymore to him. Um, he was asked on the radio after the game, which I f- feel partially responsible for again. But uh, and his answer was he loves Omaha. You know, he, he's, he's, he's coming back, and he was pressed to promise it, and he's like, I'm coming back probably. Like, so there is some, I'm not just trying to create drama, there is some doubt that he is returning next year because he will have options to, he's 24 years old. Yeah. So he's, I, you know. I think that's it's, it. It's, he's 24, he's yeah. been in college for, this is his, this is his fourth year. Complete yeah. his fourth year of college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, so he's going to graduate, he's going to play, and all the, all, and then all he's been through physically, obviously, is the other part of it, too. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, that's just, but the other side of it is, he, like, like, like you said, he does really like Omaha. When you watch him interact with his teammates and Coach McDermott, coaching staff, the fans, I mean, he, you can tell that there is a pretty strong kinship there mm-hmm. and when you listen to him talk and I, I sat down with him at the start of the season and just sort of talked to him about um, it, it's it's wild because I don't think he really 
ever expected to have such a connection to a community like Omaha and, and Creighton. You grew up in Slovenia and came to the States just to play basketball and, hey, we'll see where it takes me type thing. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden now he has his family. And I think that is important to him too. So um, we'll see. He does yeah. have a decision. He, yeah. he, has an op- he has an option. He has options, right. That's basically all I was trying to say with it. I, I won't mention it again. <laughs> Sorry. But I will say that they, like, you know, if you're going to go to the NBA, the, the, the draw is, or maybe the reason why you would jump early is you don't want to, I mean, you're <coughs> gonna, you can, the potential to make a significant amount of money is there and you don't want to maybe further jeopardize that potential by staying another year or mm-hmm. limit or maybe I don't know you want to take advantage of the hype when it's at its highest yeah like a, a guy strike like while the iron is hot right yeah um, there may not be as big a downside for Martin just because the NBA hype isn't there mm. and so he'll have to work his way unconventionally to get there in the first place right so you're saying it's like similar to Marcus Foster when he finishes junior year um, he also had a decision to make but he made it pretty quickly because Overseas was his option, so right. he knows he has to do it unconventionally anyway. So, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess if you're, I, cause if I'm you're, trying to put percentages on what Martinez is going to do, but I would say it's likely he returns, but there is going to be an option that he could leave. Yeah, and that wouldn't surprise me. Right? If he did. No, I, I, well, I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised. Would be stressed? Okay. But I think the thing is with the NBA is sometimes you feel that the draft won't always be there. You know, if you get hurt. Suddenly, you can go from a late first round pick to to an undrafted player. Yeah, especially if you're not surefire, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, like lottery picks get hurt and they they get drafted still. But yep. if you're a late first rounder, you may not get drafted, so you go. Um, but you would think Europe's always there, no matter mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. If yep. that's the route that he takes, and that's. Yeah, I won't mention it again. Sorry about it. I didn't know I was... I didn't... I mean, I get that question so often that I didn't know I was sending shockwaves yeah. through the community, but I, well, I, a lot of people got upset. So I apologize for throwing your the rest of your game out of whack because I said that pretty early. <laughs> it was like 10 to something when I said it. And I was like, why would you do that? Um, this is from Matt Stork. Where is Denzel Mahoney? Uh, we don't know, so still a personal thing. That's all we... Personal issue. Personal issue, yeah. I think that's the way it's been all we've been yeah. categorized. Haven't seen him since they got back from DePaul. Because he wasn't there the first practice for Georgetown, the Georgetown home game. So, February 21st? Yeah, it's been like three weeks. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, your guess is as good as ours. Sorry. Um, this is from Drew Morrissey. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like on so many occasions this year on inbounds plays, especially tonight, there's an open pass, open pass early in the play, and the inbounder holds off thinking there may be something better, and it causes problems. Thoughts? Have you guys noticed that? I have noticed that. Yeah. That was my observation from the night, was there was always the first cutter open, and it was just like, pass fake, and then, oh shit. So, <laughs> that's kind of what I observed. Same with you. Agreed. Yeah. Good point, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is from Kevin. Oh, yeah, he's asking about our team. 
Odds he is playing for the Jays next year. Different twist on it. What do you think? Um, maybe I I don't know if odds like eighty five percent chance he comes back. Okay, I'll sit on that one. That sounds like a good number. Um, from Joshua McCampbell. <laughs> Another odds question. Odds that Sam Froling or Damian. Why is everybody asking about people leaving? They won tonight. Um, just, that's the nature of college basketball, man. It is. Like, Odds that Sam there's Frolin... There's so much turnover. Yeah, I know. It's rare to, to go to a, through an offseason But if they ask us this now, what are they going to ask us when the season's over? We already answered all these questions. But, <laughs> so, odds that Sam Froling or Damian Jefferson transfer, they get no run. Your thoughts? Uh, I can actually not, see Samson I, transferring at some point if... if Based on style? Yeah, based yeah. on style of play. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'll be this year, though. I wouldn't expect that. No, I don't. That, was, that I would don't surprise me more than Martin. Yeah, I don't expect it. I think that. I think that like the. I can see his role. I can see what a role for him. I can see it panning out, mm. for he finds a role. Yes. And and helps his team. Going forward, I think big guys. It's harder to play in this system early. I think you. De- I think it's, they've developed later in their careers. Usually they don't. Right? I mean, first-year um, big guys. Who's I up? mean, Zach Hansen developed later. Jeff, Jeffrey Gazelle developed later. Martine developed later. Yeah. Uh, Justin Patton needed a year. Needed a year, right. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I just think it's, I think for big guys in this system, the later in your career you are, the yeah. better you are. You know what I mean? I just think that, I think the development in the system is key for big guys. It's not, I, you rarely see them ready right away. So I don't, I don't. I can't even think of an example where one was. And I don't. Damien transferred here. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know, right. Is he gonna leave again? Uh, I he guess look, it's he look, and he looks like he really. You know, he's as much. Even though he's not playing much, um, like in practice, he's always smiling, always joking. Like he looks like he's enjoying it. Yeah. You know, he's having a. You know, like he enjoys being part of the team. So. I don't see any indication that he is going to, but I, but after the season's over, all those conversations happen, and they kind of get, you know, players get kind of told what what their immediate future looks like in terms of their role on the team, and they decide if that's acceptable or not, or if, or if there's a better fit out there. So, right. uh, yeah, I, at the moment, I would well, be shocked if Sam left, and Damian just doesn't look like he's anywhere near that type of conversation yet. But I, but those conversations will happen. So, yeah, we'll like, I feel like. Every player at some point in his career thinks about it once, mm-hmm. twice, three times, five times. I don't know. No doubt. So, and especially now, it, it's even guys that get playing time leave. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah. Like last year was a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I did kind of. I wasn't surprised that the last couple transfers, Ronnie Harrell deciding to transfer, and uh, and Kobe Paris, neither of those were surprising to me. So mm-hmm. I think. If, if, I just think if we found out that somebody is going to transfer at the end of this season, I would be surprised. Yeah. If someone transferred transferred out of a Flans program, I'd be surprised because that hasn't happened in like a decade. So, But everywhere else in college basketball, it happens. So, yeah. No, not wouldn't be shocked, but I don't think those two will leave. Um, and that's, I mean, it's it, it's not the worst thing, guys. Like If they transfer? Yeah. If, yeah. if, if a player decides that he wants to transfer, it's fine. I mean, there, there's a... Perhaps there's a fit issue. Perhaps there's um, a playing time issue. Maybe it's something else. You know, like mm-hmm. it's okay. That's that's college basketball. I mean, 
You certainly don't want to be losing. Players it. leave, you get more players right. in. Like it's just a constantly free yeah. flowing. You don't want to lose a lot of guys. You don't want to, you don't want to lose key guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to lose guys because of a cultural thing or uh, I don't know. They weren't treated fairly or something, and I don't think that that's been the case. Mm-hmm. So there's there's. Only so many guys that can play, and everyone and your window as a player is so short in college. Right. Like, I. Some guys don't want to sit, and there's so many places that they can play in D1 ball. It's hard not to. For me, it's hard to. Um, scrutinize or cast judgment on a player for leaving, mm-hmm. because it's. You only get four years, so yeah. if I want, if if you, if if someone tells me that they want to play college ball and they want to be on the court for four years, why? Well, who am I to say no to that? You go, go do it, mm-hmm. and, and find the best situation for you. So, I don't know. I agree. Surf- that's that's the service level, a good service level take on just transferring in general, because people like to attach buzzwords to it like epidemic. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, no like, like it's something that needs to be cured from the existence. Yeah, like it's like, a ba- yeah. well, it's like a, it's a bad thing. I I, I think. I think it's just a natural part of college basketball now, and but that's it's okay. Also, yeah, but it even happens in coaching, too, so why shouldn't it happen at a player <laughs> yeah. level, right? So, yeah, it's only fair. Um, this is our last question, um, other than Martine's stuff, we were talking about. Again, I told my – I made a mistake tonight. Um, Adam Hester wants to know, which Mitch is your favorite Mitch? Three-point shooting contest Mitch or tonight's get-to-the-rim Mitch? Or the more elusive team player rebound and assist Mitch from the early season games? Not just uh, Mitch early has many faces. Yeah. Which which Mitch? Uh, <laughs> which Mitch is your favorite? Mitch? Okay, because uh, which which game was it where he, um, filled the stat line? It wasn't. It was UMKC. He didn't. Not that game. Not the game where he oh. didn't score. Recently, he had a game where he. Oh, man, no, I don't, I don't look know. It up. Let me see. I'll pull up this thing. Yeah, pull up this game by game. Or so does this, does this mean that he's at uh, Seton Hall at home? No, at Seton Hall. Zero points, four rebounds, four assists, two steals. I think I was thinking of the Georgetown game at home. Um, okay, eight points, five boards, six assists, three of eight, two of seven from three. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, Seton Hall game. The, UM, the UMKC and Co. ones were fun because he scored five points and had 12 assists in 11. <laughs> he had 12 assists, 11 rebounds in those two games, only four turnovers, but he only took three shots right. in those two games. So I don't know. Um, he is a Mitch of all... What's my favorite Mitch? Um, I mean, that Georgia State game was pretty complete. 23 points, seven rebounds, six assists. So I, do I like the Mitch that does everything? Or the mission does one thing really, really well. <laughs> right. Honestly, the eleven for twelve was pretty, pretty spectacular. Yeah, pretty like, and it's and it's something that we've seen in practice a lot. So, I've always been like, you kind of wait to see the blow up game and see where and just because watching a guy in a zone is the, one of the coolest things in basketball. Mm-hmm. When the guy just can't be shut off no matter what you do. So, I think I'll go. The, just unbelievably unconscious from three, Mitch, because that's a fun one to watch. 
I'd like to see a game where he gets like twelve assists. Think, so maybe that's his. Is that, our, is that our bet for next year then? How many <laughs> how many double digit assist games were much? So he went he went for five layups tonight. Um, that might be a career high. Feels like it. Yeah. Right. No so doubt. I think assists is next. <sighs> yeah. I'm trying to see if he has any double digit scoring games without hitting three. There's not many games where he hasn't hit a three, first of all. If they are, they're usually bad games. Let's check it last year. Oh, nope. He had 13 where he only hit one three. The closest we came to it was the Nebraska game last year. He had 13 points and he was only one of five from three. Hmm. That was a, one of his better games, too, of his freshman year. Yeah. At, uh, against Nebraska. He had four assists, two steals, five, six rebounds, only two turnovers. And the block. And the block on Glenn Watson. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, my favorite Mitch is the 11 for 12 Mitch. Because that's... Even though he's very good at other facets of basketball, he's extreme. He's, like, special in terms of shooting. So, mm-hmm. that's my favorite Mitch. Is that your favorite Mitch? I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah. That's our last question. What do you know about Memphis? Not much. Me either. Like I said, I think I've watched them one time this year. Is Penny in his first year? Penny, okay. yeah, this is his first year. Okay. I, mean, I feel like I they've, over, I feel like they've overachieved. Memphis um, given, has? Given the expectations. And it's driving me crazy. I can't remember what game. Maybe it was, oh, it was College of Charleston. That was the game I watched. Did they lose that? So that was the Advocare in- Invitational in Orlando. Yeah, they lost by three. I remember that was... What night was that? Why was I watching that? What sporting event for Creighton happened on November 25th? Did Creighton play November 25th? Nope. I don't know why I was watching that game. I was waiting for something to come on. I remember that. And I was watching because they kept fouling. And I was like, why are you doing that? You're losing. Give it up. Memphis started the year ranked 107th in Ken Palm and dropped down to 127, 121. Mm-hmm. Uh, 129. They were 129 after that Charleston loss. But they've since risen to now 61. I mean, they just smacked UCF's in the tournament. They just smacked them in the conference tournament they did. Yeah. That was on. That was at Memphis. Memphis was hosting okay. it. Yeah. On their home floor. Okay. Not that you so know, you, you still you beat a team by twenty. You, yeah. You I mean they beat a, they essentially housed an NCAA tournament team. Right. Go, and they almost beat Houston too. Yep. And Houston only has two losses all year, so. Houston has um, uh, three losses. But, do they really? Yeah. Okay. Because they lost it since oh, yeah, the conference tournament. But so they only played Houston one time, two times. They lost at Houston by thirteen, and they almost beat them in the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a good test, man. I, yeah, it should they, be a fun, they like be a fun to, game for right, sure. They, they like to push tempo. They, they got seventh some, in tempo, according to Kempo? Yeah, like to push tempo. It looks like they got some scores. Um, I would imagine the athleticism is going to be on par with the Big East team. Mm-hmm. And we get to see Penny Hardway on the sidelines. Yeah, we get to see a lot of NBA co- or NBA former NBA players, like Coach. That's pretty cool. So... What would be, if Creighton wins, what's the most impressive NBA coach win they've gotten? 
uh, since starting the Big East. So like beating, or they beat Danny Manning before they were. Were they in the Big East when they beat Tulsa? That Tulsa. Team? I think that was thirteen fourteen. When they beat Tulsa. Because they've beaten Danny Manning, they've beaten Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, and now Penny Hardaway coming into town. When did they? Yeah. Yeah, they beat Tulsa 82, 72, 13, 14 years. I think Danny Manning was coaching that team. So, so which one of those is the most impressive NBA from an NBA great that they've beaten? Probably Ewing. Think so? Maybe Manning. I don't know. Cause you Man, Manning feels like more of a college, yeah, college like, than, yeah, than an NBA guy. That's where his legend sure. was formed. Dan, Danny and the Miracles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Ewing, I don't know. It might just be because that's I grew up watching him. So who was better in their prime, NBA prime? Patrick Ewing, Penny Hardaway, or Chris Mullen? I feel like Ewing was. Do you really? Yeah. I always thought Penny was like when he was healthy was like a rival to MJ. And you felt that way? Mm-hmm. As a kid. I loved those matchups. Yeah. I mean it did kind of feel they like had, he they were they were so hard to beat at home, Penny and Shaq teams. Yeah. And they were good. He it felt like he sort of was the first maybe I'm wrong on this, but like now we see point guards who score their score first point guards, whereas mm-hmm. like Penny was maybe the start of that wave, perhaps. Maybe, I thought he was a. Yeah, maybe. I remember as an off guard. So yeah, I was gonna know. say he's he wasn't was like really, six seven. So yeah, he wasn't really, a, but he handled it. You know, so I you know, what, you know, you know what really. So he's maybe more like a combo guard. Yeah, but I agree. Yeah, you know what brings me back though is like they used to have this little commercial where like a Penny Hardaway like it was like a claymation commercial with Penny Hardaway. Little Penny? Little Penny, yeah. yeah. That was like my favorite. I loved that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Wasn't that commercial Penny. awesome? That's good. That's yeah, good. Little that Penny. Good. Yeah. That, I was a Penny Hardaway fan, even though I was always an MJ fan, like number one, but I liked having. I liked when, a, when MJ had a rival, you know, a guy like, you know, Dominique or somebody like at his position who that he, he could go back and forth with. Yeah, yeah. And that was what made those Penny and Shaq Orlando teams fun. It's, so it'll it's, be cool to see him on the sideline. I'm, I'm like, really curious. I'll be a little see like I'm I'll be a little to see because I thought when they made this hire that it was just a joke. It's like oh really? Yeah, I, I, I was, get he had the, a good high school program, yeah, right? I think uh, yeah, Andy. I think he coached in the A on the AAU scene, and but to me it just was seemed he the like, number one recruit in the country coming next year. Yes, they beat yeah. out Kentucky for yeah. Him. I just thought that yeah okay, hire Penny Hardaway like. It's like the what, trendy thing to do. Right. It's yeah. just, okay, it's a name. You know, like, what are you just trying to accomplish? And they ran out Tubby Smith, and I get things weren't great with Tubby Smith, but um, it's Tubby Smith. I mean, he's in your Memphis. That that seems like a good fit. Like, why would you part ways after just a couple years mm-hmm. and go with Penny? But he's been really impressive, and it feels like he knows what he's doing. So I'm like, real, I want like, to. Yeah, if Craig's going to beat them, do it now. Because it'll be tough after this. Right. Yeah. I want to. I'm really eager to see what his team looks like and how they play and how they carry themselves and mm-hmm. just sort of how they are able to navigate the course of the game and make adjustments and all that kind of stuff. Also curious to see. It's not going to be a great indication, but Memphis finished 
what, fifth in the AAC? Um, I'll say not four. So the, sure, the American got four teams in the field, is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. In the NCAA tournament. One just shut on the eight of the night, but yes. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> Temple's out. But it, I, I feel like they were I've, fifth. They were fifth. Yeah. So I feel like I've heard a lot of hype. They were, they were eleven and seven in league play. I feel like I've heard a lot of hype for the AAC this year. And um, and, and going forward, and right? Going forward, yeah. I, someone who dropped the take that said they're going to be better. Is it Dan Wilkin? It Maybe. might have been someone. Someone dropped like that take. The American yeah. will be better than the Big East next going year. Forward. Or going forward, yes, yeah. going forward. So I, I, I mean. I like where Memphis is headed. I would imagine that UConn isn't stuck in the bottom for too long. Yeah. I think Wichita will be better. So I can see a positive. Saying that on this. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be better than what they are now. I, that's, I, I don't disagree with it. I just okay. said you said it out loud. You said it out loud. <laughs> off, off the record. Comment. Yeah. The <laughs> other team that yeah. <laughs> uh, plays in Kansas that's part of this league. Um but, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just, the Big East, it's got, this is a quote-unquote down year, and it sent four teams to the tournament, and everyone is playing postseason ball. And, and the Americans on the rise, and they sent four teams to the tournament. Yeah, and right. And already done. Yeah. And, and then you look at the bottom of the American, and it's like, eh. Yeah. Yeah, okay, UConn, UConn of Wichita might be, might not be down for long, but you still got Tulane in East Carolina. Yeah. So... I'm curious to see what the fifth place team is. So this is a big game for you, then. Yeah, you're, you're really like amped up right now. I, I can feel your energy. Like. I, I'm intrigued. Yeah. And tonight was my first NIT game ever. Witnessing That's right. An NIT yeah. game. I've never seen. John covered his game. first NIT game tonight. Yes. Um, <laughs> I I the, honestly you the other night, but, you're like I honestly never watched an NIT selection show. I don't I'm, know if I even should. Yeah. <laughs> I've never watched a selection show for the NIT. Uh, Honestly, it was fun. Yeah. I thought the crowd was really fun. The, the crowd's always interesting because there's never even close to normal attendance. Mm-hmm. But they all sit in the lower bowl and they're all diehards. So you get like that moment some when juice that they, you don't normally get near they, you. They, the refs called a foul on Tyshawn when it looked like Towns just slipped. Yeah, yeah. And the so, crowd was like, what are you talking? Like yeah. everyone sort of out of their seats and they show the replay and, and fans are booing and that they was show cool, the replay too yeah, they, like show a, the re- they, they starting to do that now <laughs> that to That's me was a, a fun moment of yeah. like everyone was glued into the game and mm-hmm. you know they, like, you're not getting that past this you know like that that was a bad call we're gonna let you hear it for that and <laughs> if I could take you back to two games that would change alter your life maybe in terms of an NIT crowd one is the Rhode Island game where they were just they were just getting boat raced and they somehow came back and hit like a buzzer beater or a shot right before the buzzer. Um, I was actually win. talking to Nick Bob about that game. That today. game was all yeah. like there was like eight thousand people in the stands and they were all rabid. You know what I mean? It was just it was intense. They went from like booing the team for laying an egg to like just like oh my god greatest comeback ever. Um, and then they got housed by Florida by like thirty in the next game. Um, and then the Miami game where Altman chased the refs off the floor and right. flowing stuff like off the no call. It was like a, it's like a thirty foot heave at the buzzer, and he maybe got like nudged, but like it was a thirty foot heave. So, but yeah, that one brings back just unbelievable memories because it was like just so heated. 
but intense. Like the uh, NIT crowds bring a lot of intensity because they're the, all. They've got Kentucky in here for the NIT. Does that, that one not was stick full out? though. That was like a full capacity. No, but I was just saying in terms of NIT. Oh, moments. the energy was insane yeah. in that. I've never seen. Eric Cross was in a Blue Jays hoodie oh, in my yeah. section, like wearing a jersey. I was like, dang. So that was like the first. He was he was the guy before Tommy Frazier to really embrace the Jasker thing. Yeah. As a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, so yeah, yeah, and that, you got Kentucky and then the Nebraska NIT yeah. game in 04. So those are probably the the highlight the, the highlight NIT moments mm-hmm. of recent Jays history. I can't really go For further sure. back than that. But so we'll see if we get some memories on Friday or Monday. I mean, when at least at least one more, and, and and try to like imagine this, like what they're on a collision course for. If, if they get by Memphis and Nebraska does what they do. It's the rematch in Omaha, so that I mean the intensity because that's the other game that was a big NIT game was Creighton Nebraska here when uh, I think Muleheisen blocked Nate Funk at the buzzer. Is that a four? Um, I believe so. Okay, that one was. I mean, they were go big red chance like just echoing throughout that arena. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the last time Nebraska's won here. It is. Yeah. So yeah, they might. Yeah, that, but that's the. That was fifteen years ago. Yeah, and that will be so. If that game happens, that's for to go to MSG. Right. So the crowd will be insane for that one if that's where it goes. Yeah, down. I don't know if the rest will be able to. I, I'm not even sure if Creighton can get there, honestly. But yeah, I think no, this Memphis game is going to be tough. Memphis game will be tough, but and Nebraska's got a tough road, too, because they have uh, Butler and then Butler TCU. Butler and then probably TCU, right? Yeah, so. TCU, maybe they haven't played yet. They have played tomorrow. Yeah, they play tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but. So there, there could be a chance, I guess, going forward to create some NIT memories of your own. I, I that will be long lasting. I would like that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that'll be do it. That'll do it for us tonight. Um, we don't know when we'll do another one, but it'll be after Creighton's next game, either Friday or Monday against Memphis. Um, so yeah. Until then, you know where to go: whiteandbluereview.com, uh, omaha.com, buy a newspaper. You guys any any uh, new subscription deals going on for? Sports or anything like that? No, same so deal. Same deal. Yeah. So what is it? Six ninety nine. Six ninety nine a month. Nice for sports only. That's nice. pretty good. It's very nice. Um, you got like anything in the a cheeseburger? Anything to tease? And, and a soda. Three piece in a soda. Do you know? You know what that is? Three piece in a soda. You're not an MMA guy, though. So. No. <laughs> I'll try to explain three piece in a soda for you. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, Marcus, Marcus knows what's up. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. Marcus knows three piece in a soda. <laughs> I. I think I'm going to – I was unable to write my story about um, – that I teased a couple of weeks ago where I, was ta- where I talked to different guys about the um, the basketball hoop that they kind of grew up in. And, oh, yeah. And uh, honed their skills on. And so I might write that. So you're hoping for the Monday date so you can have some time to submit that over the weekend, that is what you're saying? That'd be nice. Yeah, okay. But yeah, that, looks, not, that sounds like a fun. That sounds like a fun story. Yeah, we'll see. You know what else? I'm still not quite sure I'm going to put it together. But yeah, you know what else I just found out? Uh, Creighton's going to play their first home game in baseball next week. I'll against, believe it. I'll believe against, it when I see against it. Nebraska. Yeah, I'll believe it. When That's I see what I told. It. I've been. To, I told. It's I was on told, the schedule. I was told tonight that game is happening. Yeah, well, it's on the schedule. I didn't even know it was happening. I was like, oh, they're playing Nebraska already. Right. Like, it just, yeah. So that's going to be their first home game. So that's. <laughs> he's like, no. Um, apparently, Ed was at the stadium today, and he's like, this looks fine. Right. Maryland should have, we could have played Maryland here. 
He's upset about that. So yeah, well they're going on the road to play Maryland, and we'll see if they play Nebraska next week. I mean, like so it could rain, it could true. snow. So you're just not even gonna entertain baseball as an existence yet until what first pitch, right? <laughs> I'm entertaining. It. I'm following it from afar, but I'm just I, yeah. I'm just not going in with the assumption that we're gonna see Creighton baseball ever yeah, all year. <laughs> 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 All right, so, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you again soon.